if people are discussing in order to accomplish a task, like they have to have a discussion in order to come to some sort of conclusion or to create a document or a presentation or to solve a problem, then I think the discussion's fruitful and students are more engaged. Welcome to In the Spirit of Learning. I just want to welcome everybody today. We're at the what's called the Spirit of Learning podcast. And I'm really excited to be here today with Janine Gilbert. She's one of my personal mentors here at BYU-Idaho and just an amazing person all around. So I'm going to have her briefly introduce herself and then we're going to talk about online learning. Uh, Many of us, because of this past year, have had to transfer a lot of our content to an online sort of platform, even if we're not fully online. And I feel like Janine just has some really valuable insights that she can share with all of us. So Janine, would you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Yeah, so uh, like you said, I'm Janine Gilbert. I teach in the English department. I started creating online classes uh, just after I joined faculty at Ricks College. So before online program was the way that it is now, I created some online classes for the English department. Um, I taught full-time for quite a while, stepped away for a while and taught online for a time, and then came back and actually worked with online learning for a couple of years uh, when they were first getting started uh, before returning to full-time faculty later. So that's kind of my interest in online learning. Yeah. Oh, and so much like experience and history that's in there. If anybody knows about online education at BYU-Idaho, I feel like it's you. (laughs) Uh, Let's not go that far. (laughs) I don't think any one person knows uh, enough about online learning. It's so, it's so collaborative. There's so many people involved, right? And so many people who are skilled and creative and they all kind of collaborate and work together. Uh, so I wouldn't go that far, but I, I definitely enjoy it. Awesome. Well, just one, a couple of questions I wanted to start with. Um, one of them I think is just the place where so many faculty are at either right now or might be in the future is you know, they've they figured out the face-to-face pedagogy. They know how to be in the classroom. They know how to teach students. And then suddenly, for whatever reason, they need to transition more of that online. Or maybe they just want to try a more hybrid approach. What advice do you have for faculty who are starting to move content online um, as they think about the different needs of students in online instruction um, or some pitfalls that they might fall into? Any, any general advice that you have there? Uh, I think... I think clarity and consistency are really important online. I think uh, when we teach face-to-face, we rely quite a bit on just that interaction, being able to read a classroom, uh, being able to answer follow-up questions. Uh, But online, having first a consistent design so that students know where to find things, there's some sort of pattern so that they can come back week after week and they know what to expect can be incredibly helpful but also recognizing that everything kind of needs to be you know prepared in advance so they need those assignment guidelines to be so clear from the goal and purpose all the way down to outlining the steps to okay and then how are we going to assess it all that kind of needs to be laid out and of course we do that in our face-to-face classrooms as well but it just it seems like online we just need to take that extra bit of care to make sure that the consistency and the clarity is all in place in advance right so so that 
I think there's nothing more scary as a student. I mean, a face-to-face classroom, if, if you're getting the schedule piecemeal, it's okay because you're meeting consistently and you have, but online, it can be very scary to see that empty screen and not know what's coming next, you know, in your class. Yeah, no, that's such great advice with clarity and consistency. And I have to say that as I've done more instruction online, I think it's made my face-to-face instruction better because everybody, everybody benefits when things are clear, <laughs> including yeah. me. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Um, one thing I think specifically I wanted to talk about was discussion boards. They kind of have this uh, reputation in online learning um, of, you know, just being boring or, you know, kind of being this empty thing. There's that classic meme that, you know, no one agrees more than online students having a discussion. Um, so what do you do to de- to design and a good discussion that actually invites real thought and real participation? Well, I think, I think one of the mistakes is to feel like you have to create a discussion board for every discussion you might have had in class. Because I, I, there, you do get tired of discussion boards. If you've ever taken an online class, the thought of doing a discussion board in each of your classes, you know, two, maybe three times a week, it's just, oh, you know, no one wants to do that. And I think that's one of the reasons we get some of the responses we get. I think the other reason is oftentimes the questions that we would ask to spark a discussion in class, we would use follow-up questions afterwards. And so for discussion online to really work, you either have to ask really great questions that are so rich that they have multiple answers. Like people can dive in and there can be multiple answers to those questions. Um, but if you just ask kind of a close-ended question, and there really is only one or two answers to that question, once those first two students have answered it, the rest really don't have a lot to do except for agree with what others have said. And so the types of questions can really end discussion. So you either have to have questions that are so rich that they keep discussion going, or you have to be the kind of facilitator, and this is very time-consuming as an online instructor, who's going to be constantly in the discussion board, following up, asking a follow-up question, engaging students regularly. But that's that's very time-consuming for instructors and for students, right? The, the level of expectation that you'll be checking back all the time realistically in life, that's just not probably going to be a possibility. So I would say if you're going to use discussion boards, I I think we should rename them. I don't think they should focus on discussion so much as maybe be task oriented. So I'd say if people are discussing in order to accomplish a task, like they have to have a discussion in order to come to some sort of conclusion or to create a document or a presentation or to solve a problem, then I think the discussion is fruitful and students are more engaged Uh, If it's just to check to see if they've done their reading or if they're prepared, then I don't think they really serve a purpose. They probably shouldn't be in an online class. Yeah, a quiz or something like that would probably be that. Would work better. Such good advice. One thing I'm thinking of is I have been playing around with your English 301 course, and I know that some of your activities for discussions are so creative. I really like like some of your prompts are like, you know, come up with your own metaphor for what writing is. And then you get like so many interesting responses that students can really bounce off of and say, wow, that's really interesting. Not just like, I agree. (laughs) So I love that about your course uh, for sure. Um, Another thing I think that is a big challenge is figuring out the pacing. Because again, in in a face-to-face class, you, you have the schedule already made for you. You know, you're meeting Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 
at you know 10 15 to 11 15 or whatever but with an online course i mean you you really have some flexibility with dates and some people kind of just default to the monday wednesday friday or the tuesday thursday but um could you talk about pacing and some things that people should be thinking about and why they might want to change that uh i don't i think just keeping in mind that everything seems to take a little bit more time online you know, interactions that happen very quickly in a face-to-face classroom get drawn out. You could go back to discussion boards, right? Or even if you're using perusal to have students read, you know, they could do their reading and make their comments, but they're waiting on someone else to respond. And so if you like built in this idea where they have to respond to others, then they're constantly waiting and checking back. It can be really time consuming for a student to participate in that kind of activity. And uh, keeping in mind that they probably have multiple classes, which they have in a face-to-face classroom as well. But, you know, scheduling things due successively, it, it can really make it difficult for them to manage their time and to get the most out of learning material. So I, I, mean, I like to say no more than two deadlines a week because it's easy to remember. They can schedule it into their normal schedules. And if I'm not meeting synchronously, so for my synchronous classes, if I want their preparation work to be done before class, then I'll have a deadline right before class starts so that I know that, okay, the expectation is you come with your reading already done, or you've done this preparation work. But other than that, I try and keep midnight deadlines and keep it consistently recognizing that many people work and they have other things going on that they have to slide things around. So, I mean, for me, two deadlines a week works well. I think I know some people, you know, even choose one deadline a week. That can be tricky, particularly if you have younger students, because they kind of need that consistency. Otherwise, that procrastination can kill them, right? And they're trying to do everything right before that final deadline. And that's probably not the best way to learn either. But I think, you know, two deadlines works pretty well. Yeah. And this also kind of leads to the instructor side. I think when you have those multiple assignments back to back, um, you, you also have to think about the grading load for you as an instructor. And if you're expecting to give students feedback before they do the next assignment, if you only give yourself a day or two to give feedback to all your students, whoo. <laughs> yeah, it can be very difficult. Absolutely. Any other advice you have just on generally handling the grading in an online course, because so much more is written feedback and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think, I think the principle would be to keep in mind that you don't necessarily need to grade everything that they do. So one of the the pitfalls of teaching online is because you don't have them in the classroom, a lot of the things you can just see, like you're in a classroom, you can see that they're discussing or that they came prepared and you can accomplish a lot of that, but you're not, you know, you're not checking off grades for them for discussion every single time, or we're listening to the recordings of their discussions to see if they were insightful and, but when you're online, the tendency is to, to not, not trust, to think, well, if, they have, if I don't have a grade for it, if I don't have an activity, then they won't do it or they haven't done it. And so it just increases the number of assignments for students and it increases the grading load for faculty members. So I think to keep in mind that you can have students do things that you don't have to grade. I mean, uh, I think we've talked before about you know, just... Uh, you know, assigning assignments and then saying you're going to turn them in like in a portfolio or I'm just going to at random choose two to, to check. And that way, because they don't know which two you're going to check, all of them are done to the same level of quality. So they're getting what they need to out of it, but you're not grading everything that they're doing. And I, I think being creative too 
in the assignments that you use uh, so that you don't feel like you have to check every single thing they do online. I think that's one of the difficulties is everything I do in the classroom, I have to create something online and then I have to actually review and grade that. And I don't think that that's necessary. Mm. Such good advice. Yeah, I <laughs> something I'm already thinking, gosh, I wish I would have known that like two semesters ago. <laughs> but now I can do it next semester. Um, I think one other thing that um, I've been thinking a lot about lately, I think we all have, you know, through this COVID, COVID pandemic, it's been trickier to maintain connections um, with other faculty, with our students, with our families, with whoever. Um, and yet that's such a rich part of the teaching and learning experience. Um, so in an online environment, um, what do you think are some of the best ways to maintain that connection? How do we, how do we still feel like we're reaching students and having them feel connected to us? Yeah, I mean, I think you can connect to students online. I really do. I think setting up kind of, the, it's sort of like what you do in a face-to-face -face classroom, you know, first day you're setting up, this is who we are as a class, these are the expectations. But I think going out of your way in an online classroom means you might be doing more individual work. I mean, there are some things you can do. You can have a frequently asked question board, you can have a discussion board where you answer questions like from one student. So everyone gets it at the same time, so you're not repeating it. But I do think you'll probably be, need, you know, you need to set aside some time for that individual one-on-one. -on -one. So I think beginning this semester with some individual emails where you're just connecting. Um, Suzette Coons had this great idea where she put up Google Slides for her remote class and asked everyone to create a slide introducing themselves. And, and I use that in my remote class, but I think that works really well online as well. Just a place where everyone can introduce themselves. Uh, and then I just think it's the little things like uh, you know, I used to bring in virtual treats or send out virtual treats. Uh, brownies, cakes, you know, they look so much better than what I could make anyways. And it was a joke, right? No one can actually eat them. But the feeling behind it is, hey, we're, we're going to make some connections. And I think, you know, anything you can do, sharing, uh, starting class with a student's favorite song, uh, answering questions that they've had. Uh, I know that there are several people in our faculty that are great at putting together really short videos where they're actually talking, you know, conferencing with students face-to-face -face virtually is a great way of making meaningful connections. But I do think it goes back to the same things you do in your face-to-face -face class. It all comes back to genuinely caring about those students as individuals and thinking what's well, the best way you know, to help them succeed. What can I do to help them feel part of the class? And I, I think that as you set that up, you also have students that start to reach out to each other as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that's one of the cool things in my own experience this semester teaching online. It's been amazing to be teaching students who are in Madagascar and Texas and Spain. And, and I'm thinking, when else would these people ever get the chance to interact? Never. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. And, and I would say have that meaningful connection, but also as a faculty member, also set some boundaries. I think that's important, too, because you're so accessible you know, one of the things I, I don't do is I don't give out my text number because I would be getting texts all the time during all hours. I already, you know, get emails all hours of the day. So I think there are just ways to set up boundaries saying, you know, I'll, I'll respond to your email within 24 hours during the work week. That doesn't mean, you know, if you email me in a panic at midnight, I'm not, I'm not going to respond to you. It may be the next day, but we'll be okay. You know, we can work whatever we need to work out. 
but I think it's also important to set expectations in terms of I'll be available to you and I'm definitely going to respond, but probably not with that kind of, you know, the quickness that they might be used to in terms of, I just sent you an email, kind of why haven't you answered my question yet? So I think setting some clear expectations is healthy too. So true. Oh my goodness. So true. The last thing I want to just open up is like any other just general advice that you have from your experience, either developing courses or teaching them, anything that you kind of, if you were going to talk to the, 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 the teacher self of like maybe 10 years ago, is there any uh, advice that you give yourself? No pressure. Uh, <laughs> I would say in general, simple is usually better. Not that it can't be complex, but I think simple structure with some depth will increase learning more than a lot, like quantity of activities. So I would strive for more simplicity. I think I would recognize that there will be technical glitches. And so from the very beginning, helping students understand we're going to run into them, I'm going to make mistakes. We'll just all take a deep breath. Just let me know if something's not working. We'll figure out how to get it fixed. And there's nothing that really we can't handle given time and energy. I would probably simplify the number of tools, online tools I use and that I ask students to be able to use, recognizing that if they have to learn how to use three different things for my class and four different things for another class, we're really just stretching them. So if I, you know, the tools I ask them to learn to make sure that they have very clear purpose and that they're the best tool for, for what we want to accomplish. Um, have fun. I think teaching online can be a lot of fun and uh, interacting with students that way. Uh, and I think it gives, uh, it allows access to students who might not have been able to take that course otherwise. And I think anything that opens up education and allow students to interact with each other and with people who love their subject matter uh, is fantastic. So I would say embrace it. If, if you're going to do it, embrace it and, and enjoy it. I love that. I think that is such a key to anything in life. If you can find the purpose in it and find the the that deeper purpose. And I love especially what you said about access and education. I think if there's anything that I sort of think about when I think about BYU-Idaho, I think, you know, our goal is to educate as many students as possible, to make it affordable, to make it possible. And um, yeah, uh, when I think about that, I think about, yeah, that's, that's a great thing to do in the world. And even though it's not always easy, um, if I remember that, I'm sure it would make my life a lot easier. <laughs> oh. yeah. Well, Janine, thank you so much for sharing your expertise today. It's just been amazing to learn from you. Um, and I really appreciate your time. Um, and I look forward to continuing to learn from you in the future. <laughs> Sounds great, Diane. This has been In the Spirit of Learning. Until next week, you can find every episode wherever you get your podcasts and on the BYU-Idaho Learning and Teaching website. Thank you for listening.